welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 29th of May 2016, entitled A Passion for Souls Near and Far, and the Bible readings are taken from John chapter 3 verses 16 to 21 and Romans chapter 6 verse 23. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Romans chapter 6 verse 23, Uh, but uh, prior to reading that, if you want to find that and put your finger there, turn back to probably one of the most uh, familiar passages of Scripture in the Bible, and that's the Gospel of John chapter 3. And uh, I said earlier that a little different this evening, um, my usual tone, I guess, would be more of an expositional type sermon. But I just want to really share some different passages with you this evening, and I'm going to use an acrostic to just try to give you a, a thought that uh, uh, I hope that uh, uh, will awaken that fire within us to realize uh, just how very, very important uh, the matter of soul winning is. Our theme uh, for our missions conference this week, a passion for souls near and far. Very simple. God give us a passion for souls near and far. Gospel of John chapter 3, beginning in verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. In Romans chapter 6, a familiar passage that we often use in trying to lead folks to Christ, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Father, again, we just simply pray and ask that, Lord, in these next moments that we have to share together around your word, Lord, that you would take and speak to our hearts. Help us, Lord. Help us to have a greater passion for souls, those that are on our doorstep and those that are to the far reaches of this world. Help us, Lord, that we would have a great passion in our hearts to be used of you in whatever capacity that you would see fit. And we give you the praise, the thanks, and the glory for it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I thought that I guess the first time that it came to me was as a very young preacher, when I was asked to preach my grandfather's funeral. Um, and I, you know, again, what, what do you say? I mean, I guess that I, I always knew what a blessing. Well, there were times that I wasn't quite as confident of the blessing, but of course my father and both my grandfathers were, were pastors. And so I'd only ever known my grandfather as a man of God and, and seen him give his heart and life to serving God. And I thought, what can I possibly say at a funeral? And I guess I use the acrostic of life, L-I-F-E, because for me, it was to celebrate a life that had had a tremendous impact on me 
uh, in the years that, uh, that God had given us together. And then, of course, the first time that I had did that, and then sometime later I had to, uh, uh, to preach that grandfather's sons, my mom's and her sister's only brother, a funeral, uh, and he had gone to be with the Lord at a very early stage. And then some years later, my grandmother, uh, and, uh, and, and last, the fourth time that I've used the same with different thoughts, but using that same focus of life. Of course, many of you will know Brother Seth Beaver when he tragically died at such a young age of 17 years old. And, you know, I think that so many times we try to comprehend and understand, but I want us to realize this evening that if there is anything in all of this world that is a matter of life and death, it is a matter of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We, most of us, we would have a great passion we would do something about it if we saw people sometimes that we thought in a physical sense, even in a temporal sense, that it was a matter of life or death, that their life depended upon it. You know, whether you were very close to them or not, if your neighbor's house was on fire, I doubt that you would sit there and do nothing to raise the alarm to let them know that their life was in danger. We find that it's almost, I think, that uh, I can remember when our very oldest, and of course, as you start raising children, uh, you learn a lot of things. Uh, you learn a lot of things that you never had to experience before. Uh, but again, it's, it's a love that no words can express. It's a love like no other. And, uh, and I can remember one of the first times that I ever laid my palm across my oldest son's bottom side uh, was when we'd come out of the house to get into the car and he took off. He knew that he wasn't supposed to. He takes off running right down towards the road as fast as he can. And it was a busy road with cars passing by. And I grabbed him and just out of instinct, I smacked him on his bottom and said, you never go near that road again. Why? Because there was imminent danger there. And, and, and the thing that I wanted to get more than anything else is that he understood how important that it was that he did not go into that road and face that danger. And the illustrations could go on and on. But the truth is, is that everybody we meet day by day far more than those physical lives which we would naturally respond to is just as we have read there in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Life or death? When we think about life, it's, it's funny because I guess that a, a passage that most of us would be uh, familiar with is the way that uh, James describes it in James chapter 4. And he says in verse 14, whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow? For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. I get to see a lot of vapors in my house because my wife is about as avid a tea drinker as it possibly could be. So when that, when that kettle starts boiling, that, that vapor begins to escape from that kettle and it's just there momentarily and then it just disappears. Well, this is what God through James is saying to us, our life is like that. And if, I think that probably I can honestly say that the more that we live and experience life, the more that we get to that point to where we know that 
there's less years left than there have been already, the more we realize and understand just how insightful that that verse is. Life is so short here upon this earth. But life is something that is so very, very precious. This morning we looked at a few passages and one of them was in 1 John chapter uh, chapter 3. I want us to look at another passage in, in 1 John chapter 5 and look at verses 9 through 13. 1 John chapter 5 verse 9 says, If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. Well, this is the witness of God which he hath testified of his Son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record, that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things that I have written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. There is only one place that life can be found. We're not being unkind and unloving when we realize we experience day after day and week after week, even in our own community here, so many that have religion, that believe in a God, that believe that somehow even many of them that were all somehow worshiping the same God, that we're all going to the same place. We're just going about it in a different way. But Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. The word of God is clear. We're not trying to be unkind. We're trying to express the truth, the only truth that can give them life, and that's that Jesus Christ is that light, and Jesus Christ is that life. There is no other. If we look back into the Old Testament book of Jeremiah, and notice what is written there in Jeremiah chapter 3, I'm sorry, Jeremiah chapter 31 in verse 3. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 3, the word of God says this. says, The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. You know, the Bible teaches us very clearly that the only way that we can ever come to God is when He draws us. We can only love Him because He first loved us. Now, we'll never understand all of the fine details of all that that entails. But in ourselves, in our flesh, Romans chapter 3 is one of the most descriptive, graphic, detailed words that we have of a, of a lost person in their lost condition without Jesus Christ. And it makes it very clear there that, of course, we have no desire for God. We have no desire for God whatsoever in the flesh. And if by some miracle you had some kind of a desire, you wouldn't know which way to go anyway except by God himself 
pointing that direction. I have loved thee with an everlasting love. I want you to keep that thought in mind tonight because we're thinking about life. And what we're going to be hearing in these days of the missions conference is, if anything, it is a matter of life and death. It's hard for us to comprehend and understand that everything, everything that we do in giving ourselves to God, whether it's to be a witness here at home or whether it's to help someone else go somewhere else to do it, every penny matters. Every bit of our being matters. Every person that we come in contact with, every track that we hand to someone, every time that we witness to someone, it all matters because we're talking about a matter of life and death. We said this morning, we read again this evening, for God so loved that he gave. We said that love was really the basis of us being able to, to give and enjoy giving. It all really comes from the heart. And of course, life begins in that same place. Life begins with love because God first loved us. And he proved that love when he died upon the cross for us. And he gave us life. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Somebody asked me earlier, and I said, well, just wait over a course of, we're going to be looking at some sermons about the reality of hell. Uh, sometimes for us to get our heads around heaven and hell, and, and of course, as we continue in our series, we'll be looking at both of those things in the coming weeks. It's hard for us to understand either one of them because we've never seen them. We never experienced them. But God gives us some things to help us to understand that better. But please keep in mind, Heaven and hell are not something that we're rewarded with or that we're punished with because of whether or not that we're a Christian or not a Christian. The wages of sin is death, not hell. The gift of God is eternal life, not heaven. Heaven and hell are just eternal abiding places. Life is going to last forever somewhere. Hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. In heaven, there's God and his angels. One place has all that is alive and the other all that is dead. We find that in the Garden of Eden when God created life and he made man in his own image, the Bible teaches us very clearly that when sin entered in, death came with it. It wasn't God that created death. It was the lack of God that brought death when man sinned and separated himself from God. So this evening, I want us to just grasp the fact of love, that life is about love. It's because that God loved us, and we need, and of course, we've looked at several sermons in recent times on, on compassion and what it means to really care, to really feel. When Jesus looked upon the multitudes and he had compassion upon them because they were like sheep without a shepherd, he saw the danger that they were in. We looked at the story of the, of the Good Samaritan in all these religions that the, the priest and the Levite, they all, they all come by and they just go by on the other side. They can't be bothered. The one that technically should have been the least concerned, this Samaritan, he comes by and he has compassion upon him. He hurt inside like Jesus hurt for the wounds of someone else. We need a passion for souls. If we're going to have a passion for souls, it's going to begin at the same place that we talked about. It's going to begin with love. That's where it began with God when he loved us and gave his son. That's where it's going to begin. But, you know, in that passage there, first of all, 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him. Down in verse 18, he says, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. May I say to you that life is about individuals. Life is about people. God saves individuals. Sometimes we kind of see this whole big religious scene out there. Well, we don't need to be part of just some religious scene that somehow we, we seem to be doing what everybody else expects of us or what we're supposed to do so that we're approved by everyone else. If you turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, again, this is sort of a combination. We, we looked at this passage some time back and we talked about some of the things that are here. And I want to read again from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He says in verse 9, Wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be what? Accepted of him. We labor. We work. We do the things that we do. That whether present or absent, whether he's here with us or whether he's there in heaven, that we may be accepted of him. Literally, that we might be well-pleasing, that we might please God. He goes on to say, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Yes, there is that, that we will face God. We touched on that some this morning. We've touched on it in, in, in recent times. We will all stand before God, not for whether we're saved or not saved, but for what we have done. We said this morning, we will be accountable for what we have done with what life, what God has given to us. The first thing that he gives you in Jesus Christ is life. Yes, he may give you your possessions and all those things, all those, those talents, those things that we can use in this life, but the first thing you have is life. And we will be accountable to God how we use that life that he's given to us. He says that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. I will stand before God. You will stand before God. We will all give an account of ourselves. He says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your conscience, for we condemn not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf that ye may have somewhat to answer them which glory in appearance and not in heart. For whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God, or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. Everything they did, it was for the cause of someone else. It was for the cause of God. And verse 14 is the key to that. It comes right back for the what? Love of Christ constraineth us because we thus judge that if one died for all then were all dead no man every man is innocent all have sinned and come short of the glory of God when we're comparing it to God when we're comparing it to his glory we all miss the mark doesn't matter how we compare to somebody else but we find that the Bible is talking here as he's speaking to us, that it's the love of Christ that constrains. What is that motivation force behind us? What caused, again, it's the love. But what I want you to see in all of this passage, that love comes down to, yes, love, but it's individuals. 
God loves individuals. God saves individuals. God calls individuals. We are all individually going to stand before God and give an account of our lives before him. It's not just some general assembly. You'll give an account. I'll give an account. But God loves you individually, and he wants us to love individually. Life is about love. Life is about that love for individuals and those individuals loving. But life is about faith. What did we read there in John chapter 3, verse 18? He that believeth on him is not condemned. He that believeth. He that has faith is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Of course, that phenomenal passage of Scripture that, again, that we often quote, we often turn to in Ephesians chapter 2. The Bible tells us there, in beginning in verse 4, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us, hath made us alive together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. May I say to you that you can't get away. There is absolutely nobody else that could have come up with a story that could have put it all together everywhere you turn in God's word. Life is based upon love. The love of God and the love of us being shared with us is based upon individuals. We love each other. God loves us individually. We love each other individually. We love God individually. We'll stand before God individually. Faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by grace are you saved through faith. Again, I can only remind you, we all know this great truth. It is only by God's grace that any of us are saved. None of us deserve it. But the only pathway to God's grace is faith. There is no other way to get to it. God's grace is there. But individually, through our individual faith, we must act upon our belief. Act upon our faith, for by grace are you saved through faith. We've got to trust him. We've got to believe him. Our total trust in what Jesus Christ has already accomplished and done for us. There's a lost and dying world that don't know that. They're basing it upon their religion, upon their church, upon their goodness, upon all these many things. And again, we did a whole series on true saving faith. We look back at those those two roads, the narrow road and the, and the broad road. The broad road that leads to destruction. Not filled with all those people that we see that don't care. Not filled with all those people that don't believe at all. But filled with all those people that think that they're going in the right direction. A path that seems right, but yet it leadeth to destruction. 
because they don't have the life that can only come in Jesus Christ. We find that it's very important too, that same love that brings us to God, that same love by, whereby his grace is shared with each and every one, that faith he creates us in Christ Jesus, but he also says there that he's, we are created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained. I want you to hang on to that thought for just a moment. He, God, has before ordained, set aside, purpose this in our lives, that something good would come from our lives. May I just remind you before I move to my closing thought, life is about love. It's about individuals. It's about faith. But it's about eternity. What we're talking about, the life or death that we're talking about with people is not just life and death in this life, but it's life or death for eternity, forever and forever. Eternity. We can't get our heads. I think it was Donald Taylor that asked me, you know, how can we understand that God has always been? Well, when you figure that out, you let us all know. <laughs> that God didn't have a beginning, that he's just always been there and that he always will be there. Everything that we know in life is tarnished by death. But God was eternal. And God created life to be eternal. But sin destroyed all of that. Eternity. But I want you to know that here where he says that God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Again, he's talking to you individually. Your life that you are living for God. We find that in the very next chapter in Ephesians chapter 3, notice what he says here. Beginning in verse 8, he says, Unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given. The apostle Paul didn't see himself as some great religious person. He deserved, he said, the least of all saints is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. We don't go out there because we know it all, because we're so good at it, because we're so educated at it. By the grace of God, the same grace that saved us is the same grace that we minister for him. He says, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers and heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. Notice verse 11, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Eternity. It's not just about our life for eternity. It's about an eternal God that has an eternal purpose. I'm not asking you to get your head around that. I'm asking you to understand except that God, he ordained this walk for us. God has an eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. What does he mean by that? Purpose. Well, I took this out of the dictionary. The reason for which something exists or is done or is made. It's the reason behind it. Why is it done? God has an eternal purpose. He created us in his image for his glory. 
Revelation 4.11 says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. And he goes on to explain why. He says, For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. It's all about God. It's not about me. It's not about us. Life begins with God, and it begins because of God's love. And it's when we truly begin to love that we, just as God, will care about sharing that life with others. You see, wherever that you might be in your spiritual walk today, you might be on a mountaintop or you might be down in the valley. You might be discouraged and need encouraging. You might be weary and tired and just need some strength to keep going on. Or maybe it's a fresh challenge. If you pardon the vernacular, maybe it's a, a kick up the backside to get us going, a kickstart. Because we get lazy sometimes. We get to just enjoying things as they are. Maybe we just need some old-fashioned conviction, <laughs> some conviction about how we're living our lives in relation to what God's purpose for us is. You see, he says here, according to the eternal purpose, which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Just to help us grasp that, he wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9, he says, who hath saved us, how did he save us? By grace. And called us with a holy calling, by grace, just like the Apostle Paul. He's called us with a holy, a divine calling, not according to our works. <laughs> not according to what we've done or how we've done it, but according to what his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Wow. <laughs> he has called us. He has an eternal purpose, and that eternal purpose he's fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. It says here that he saved us and called us, not according to who we are, but according to his purpose and grace, that was given to us in Christ Jesus before the world even existed. He gave that to us. The next young preacher, Titus 1-2, he says, In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Jesus Christ, God incarnate in the flesh, he is our Savior he gave the promise. He is our hope for that eternal life, which the God, which we just did in our whole series of on the promises of God, he cannot lie. But his promise was laid down before the world even existed. If God made a promise before the world even began, then he promised before man was even created. Now, I bring this out not in any attempt to be able to explain it, but to emphasize the fact that God is working on a plan. And he had his plan in place 
before anything we see or know or touch or hear, before any of it even existed, God had his plan in place. He's working on it continually to bring it to pass. We looked, was it last, last Sunday or the Sunday before, <laughs> that familiar passage in the Gospel of John chapter 1? In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him and was not anything made that was made. And I made the point there, in the beginning was the Word. That Word became flesh and dwelt among us in the beginning. We look back the very first words in the Bible. In the beginning, God created. In the beginning was the Word. The beginning, the beginning of everything that we know. You see, in the beginning, God acted to create everything else that exists that we see. But in the beginning, God, the Word, Jesus Christ, already existed. He was already there. And he had been for eternity past. Colossians 1.16, For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether it be thrones or dominions or principalities of powers. All things were created by him and for him. God's eternal purpose centers in the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.18, And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. The individual, through faith in a loving God, through faith in Jesus Christ, the individual can secure God's eternal purpose for his or her own individual life. Without it, may I say that God's eternal purpose for you from eternity past will be totally missed if you live out your purpose instead of God's purpose in your life. It doesn't matter what kind of accomplishments you may have in the world's eyes. You and everything about you will be lost for eternity without his purpose in your life. That's not God's purpose for you. Hebrews 9.12 says, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. John 17.24, Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. Ephesians 1.4, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 12 to 14, that we should be the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also that after that you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. It is no coincidence. You look any place you want to, the commission that was given to you and I, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We saw this morning that whether it's in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost part 
all at the same time. It's getting the message of Jesus Christ to a world. And it is a matter of life or death. There are out there literally by the thousands and the millions as we sit right here in our comfort zones tonight. They're lost and they will spend an eternity in hell. But God has an eternal purpose in Jesus Christ. I can't fully, fully, fully get my head around that. There are no accidents with God. There are no coincidences with God. I do know. I do know, and, and, and you know that, again, one of those passages that I absolutely love from Scripture, when he's speaking to us as believers and he's speaking about Jesus Christ and he says that he's a propitiation, not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. The Bible says that it's not God's will that any should perish. We are given the responsibility, and I leave you with this thought in John chapter 14. Jesus, in getting ready to leave and to go away, we looked at that in Acts this morning when they were gazing, and this same Jesus is the one that's coming back. And he said there in John chapter 14 when he said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and I'll call you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. He's giving them that message of comfort because he's getting ready to go away. But then down just a bit further, I think it's in about verse 12, he says, greater works than these shall ye do because I go unto the Father. That's Jesus speaking. <laughs> greater works than these shall ye do. And he goes on to promise why. If you're a child of God this evening, God lives in you. You see, we are talking. I'm encouraging. I'm, I'm asking you to pray and ask God what he would have you to do because it is a matter of life and death. It's a matter of life and death for so many people out there because the only life is in Jesus Christ. And there's only one message of salvation. There's only one gospel. And that's what we've got to get to. We can, we can differ with each other, and we do. <laughs> you know, I get people coming to me confused all the time. Well, this church says this, and this church says that, and they all say something else. Well, we'll probably all figure out just how wrong we are on a lot of things when we get to heaven. But we can't be wrong about Jesus. We can't be wrong about the gospel. We find that that is the one message, the only message that will give a person life. Everybody, everybody without it only faces death. We need a passion for souls because without Jesus Christ, they have no hope, zero hope. I shared this thought with you that actually was right here some time back and Brother Peter would be one to know a funeral that was preached here for somebody that as far as we know, Mr. Rose had never accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. A oh, great guy. Knew him for years. His son and his daughter-in-law and his grandchildren in this church. But you know, the truth is, is that, you know, how do you, how do you at, at a funeral, how do you, you know, I don't, I don't know his heart. I don't know what took place. But there was hope. There wasn't assurance. There was hope. The thing I tried to share with Ray and his family that day is there's only one time when there is no hope, and that's when there's no gospel. Without Jesus Christ, there is no hope. 
We don't know when, and, and, and it's terrible when somebody leaves this world and we love them and we care for them and we don't know that they've put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But you know what's even worse? is that they leave this world and you live with the fact that you never shared the gospel with them. You never offered them that hope. You never gave them that hope that they can have in Jesus Christ. You see, we can't save anybody, but God has called us to go to this world. God has an eternal purpose. That eternal purpose is through the Lord Jesus Christ. And that eternal purpose is an individual purpose for you, yes, in your soul being saved, but also in a purpose for your life, your life counting as Jesus Christ works through you, as he does the work that you can never do, but as you yield yourself to him that he can use to accomplish his work. Father, I thank you so much this evening, Lord. Lord, I know that these thoughts this evening have been a little scattered, but Lord, I do know without any shadow of a doubt that as you impressed upon our heart that, Lord, our hope this week is that we can have a greater passion for souls near and far. And I mean, with your passion for souls, there's so many places we could look in Scripture. Lord, we've tried to touch on just a few things this evening that would just remind us that, Lord, if there is anything in this world that is a matter of life and death, it is getting the gospel to every individual. Lord, I pray that you would give us a passion for the souls, those that we know, those that live next door to us, those that work beside us, those that are in our community, those we pass on the streets. Lord, I pray that you would give us a true passion for souls like you have, that you were willing before the foundation of the world to put a, a plan in place, that you were willing to, to go to that cross and to die for us for our sins. Help us, Lord. Help us to begin to love in just a little way like you love. Thank you for the life that you've given to us. But Lord, may we pray this evening that through us that you might be able to do your work in giving life to others all around us. We give you all the praise and all the thanks for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Mm -hmm.